1: NY or text hope NY in New York.
2: 11 o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on your Thursday. Thanks once again to our guy, Mark Benoit from the Garden Trust, for hanging out with us in that last hour. I think we solved a lot of the world's problems when it comes to NIL. Um, we've got uh, Rocket Sanders going to do a deal with Rocket Pop. We need okay. to call uh, Oscar Meyer for Oscar Attaway. Any other names that we can leverage to some high profile deals? I
3: mean, just put us straight up on the spot here, Tyler. For such a for such a prepared guy, I think right I gotta keep is, you guys on your toes. This is Tyler's way Cam of punishing Pringle. us.
2: <laughs> Pringles. I mean, yeah, well, it uh, makes sense. He, uh, he's
3: punishing us for not always responding well when he says yeah. you what know, are ideas. Um,
2: Brady Hunt, the,
3: Hunt, Hunt's Ketchup,
2: that Hunt that Brothers
3: up? Pizza
4: brothers pizza there's that too <laughs> C- the, is that the C- one C- from Hunt. the gas station yes it is that's good. but still
5: that's a brand
3: wrong. nothing wrong with it what
4: about what?
5: tree for uh you know the tree people. tree services yeah.
3: there you go that's a Any good one day service
2: good job yeah, yeah. Dave.
3: hey call us on that one there there's a hundred tree services here in columbia that's so very true first to call <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you in touch with tree and you can advertise on the gc takeover hour
2: that's
4: an irresistible deal.
2: You have, if, you you, if you have any down. good brand ideas for these new guys coming in, let us know. Firehouse subs, text line 803 404. The best brand. 6100. Firehouse subs. That's right. Yeah. Who? Nobody's named Sub or Firehouse, but I'm sure we can tie or something House. in. Or House. Yeah, there's that Matt House guy that was a coordinator. Nobody wants to do I a deal of. with him right now. No, LSU not really. certainly didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it, anyway, he'd the, called a stray there. Sure, he's listening. <laughs> yes, as he usually tunes in on 2 game, as all coaches around the country do, which is why we can't give away game plan secrets. Um, we had somebody call us out one time, like, Well, why are you telling? What are the keys to the game? The opposition's going to be listening. They're going to know how to beat them. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's yes. exactly what's going to happen. Is that a Furman guy or that's a different guy? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So many people called me out for the Furman thing. It's hard to remember.
4: Well, you did like, Old Dominion yesterday. So oh, watch yeah, out.
2: disrespecting the monarch. And hey, you
4: know, I. I Old Dominion,
2: they're not bad. They're not. They can be a spoiler. They could oh, be. Oh, here we go. <laughs> did 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 uh? Did we we did we all lock into the? Was it the famous Toastery Bowl that they played? The former we, Bahamas Bowl. We we did not.
4: <laughs> I watched we a
2: fair not. amount of that game. Was oh, that the one that uh, did Western Kentucky coming back in that one? Is that am I remembering that correctly?
4: Oh, that was the one. Yeah, I yeah, think that was the backup. The guy catching multiple one handed. So catches.
2: we'll have to, we'll have to revisit that game as we get closer. Pull sure. the tape from the famous Toast Bowl before August thirty first. We got time. We got, yeah, time. we got we we get we get got plenty <laughs> of time. How about um, Harbaugh, y'all? Man, uh, saw it coming. It's definitely going to happen. Uh, first of all, I think it's a great hire. That's been
4: good everywhere he's been. I mean, just
3: there, there's talent on that roster too. Mm-hmm. Like apparently, my Panthers couldn't even get a return they didn't phone even try. call. <laughs> well, if they tried, they, he didn't call them back. I, I don't blame him. I, I don't
2: know what what's the area code for Charlotte. 704. He saw 704, didn't even answer.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, great hire for them. He kind of, do y'all think he had his pick? Like, he, he, uh, cause he interviewed the Falcons too, yeah, right? He interviewed
2: just about every team that had a position available. Um, because when you think about it, like him and Belichick are like the top two options this coaching carousel. Um, and Harbaugh, every single year over the past handful of years, has been, At least involved in NFL coaching searches. He interviewed with the Vikings a couple years ago. They ended up going with Kevin O'Connell. He really wanted the Chargers job before they hired Brandon Staley a couple seasons ago. So he always had that connection there, former quarterback of of the Chargers back in the uh, late 2000s. You know who he backed up, by the way, when he was the backup quarterback?
4: That would have been the late 90s. Would that have been Ryan Leaf? Ryan Leaf. Yeah. He was Ryan Leaf's
2: backup. That's weird. That is. I weird. see
4: Ryan Leaf as being like younger than Harbaugh, like like pretty substantially, but I guess not.
3: Harbaugh also played for the Colts.
4: Yep. Yeah. I remember he, watching he him play by the Colts.
3: I remember watching him quarterback the Colts against the Panthers back in the day when I was a kid.
4: And do you know the last team that Jim Harbaugh played for in the NFL? He was with the Carolina Panthers in two thousand one. So it would have been a homecoming. Really, I did not know that. Of sorts. He probably wouldn't have viewed it that way at all, but.
2: Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I'm looking it up. And he was also on an episode of Saved by the Bell. You guys remember that?
4: Nah, Saved I didn't by the Bell see fans.
2: that episode. <laughs> Wes not I missed that one. I, I do like that show, though. I won't lie. Good show. Um, but, but no, it makes sense. Uh, again, he had that connection to the Chargers, already having interviewed with them a couple seasons ago. Dude's a quarterback whisperer and a great offensive-minded head coach, and that's what the Chargers need a lot of help with. And, and that was something that was really enticing about this job that everybody pointed the fingers to was you have Justin Herbert. Who was a high draft pick, has been in the league for a couple years now, just has not quite had that right fit from a head coaching standpoint to really get the most out of him. And, um, you know, you bring in a guy like Harbaugh, I kind of think of it a similar situation to Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. People were ready to write him off as a bust with Urban Meyer in year number one. And there were so many tumultuous things going on within that organization. It was like, no, you just need the right head coach to get in there and really get him on the right track. Bringing in Dud Peterson, he's been great since. Uh, I think it's a similar situation with Herbert. Now, I think Herbert's played a lot better than, you know, Lawrence was playing in that first year down in Jacksonville. But you get a guy like Harbaugh out there who's a known winner at every level of football that he's coached at, Chargers have the potential to really go a long way here. Well, and the, the timing on
3: it was just right this time, I think. He gets to walk into a situation like you detailed. The cor- the quarterback's already there. At least we think, you know, this is a, a potential upper-level NFL quarterback. And that that's what every team's searching for. So that, that big... Boxes is checked off. Well, then you look at where he's leaving with Michigan. He finally gets the national title mm-hmm. undefeated. We all know about the – I don't think there's an asterisk, but we all know there's lots of questions And what would the NCAA do. He gets to just escape town, Yep, roll on out. I mean, Harbaugh, as far as timing, for him personally, really couldn't have handled it better, and it, it appears by all indications – that Sherron Moore is going to be the hire for Michigan. Now, the the interesting thing there is that they can't officially hire him yet because of state laws. Like Mm -hmm. They have to post the job for a certain amount of time. I thought one of the advantages to hiring him, and it still is, but was that you maybe minimize losses to the transfer portal, Mm -hmm. which is now officially open for 30 days if you're Michigan. And so, to me, for them... Their their best move, if you already know you're hiring Sharon Moore, is Harbaugh leaves yesterday. You're holding a press conference today. Like waste no time. But you technically yeah.
2: cannot do that if you're Michigan. Well, you can't do that technically, but within the walls of the organization, you know, yeah. without formally saying, you'd be like, "Hey guys, Sharon's going to well, be our guy." You would just got to wait, you know, five more days to officially announce it. Like that way, everybody has the indication. Because, like you said, with similar to the you know Saban situation, the Transfer portal is now open for 30 days for these guys to go wherever they want because the coach they committed to is no longer going to be there. But, yeah, you keep Sean Moore uh, there. I imagine you keep most of the same staff in place. And just kind well, some of them are the, going to go with Harbaugh, I would sh- think. Uh, maybe a couple, but I imagine you're going to retain at least a few guys there where, for the most part, you're keeping the same structure of what you had with Harbaugh just with a new guy at the helm as head coach. And Sharon Moore obviously showed in the couple games that he had to coach You know, when Harbaugh was suspended for half the regular season that he has the ability to do that. And um, obviously the, the players buy into it, the players trust him. So um, you, know, you would imagine there wouldn't be too much of a fall-off there with transitioning to him as your head coach.
4: Yeah, I, that continuity is big. And and I think, you know, like you said, Wes, that would have been better if you if you could just, hey, presser is immediate. I, this is done. But I think what is probably happening, th- there, there's plenty of evidence that all the reporting nationally, locally, regionally on this thing is pointing to Sharon Moore. Like, like I was looking at checking out the Wolverine.com, which is our Michigan on three side on the network. And they basically said, it's a one-man list. Like, Sharon Moore is getting the job unless something absolutely insane happens. And then, obviously, we're in a, a period in recruiting where coaching staffs are, can go out on the road or you can host prospects. And so, there, there's a lot of wink-wink, hey, you know, I'm the guy. Sure. I'm getting this job if you're Sharon Moore. And so, that'll help them, especially in this new era with this continuity. Like you said, Tyler, they, they've already got some leadership to fall back on with Sharon Moore Having literally been at the helm at times this season, but but yeah, I'm fascinated by the Harbaugh hire. I mean, guys he he's been successful. You said this Wes at every level. I mean, you look at what he did at San Fran. The, the last year was man, he was eight and eight, right? But other than that, he was at the NFC title game or the Super Bowl the other three years, mm-hmm. right? He's one of the rare guys that has had success in the NFL and in college and every single college program that he's been the head coach of he's left it in great shape his final year here's his final year San Diego 2006 he was 11 and 1 7 and 0 in conference Stanford Stanford 12 and 1 and won the Orange Bowl mm-hmm. and finished number 4 and that he parlayed that obviously into the San Francisco job and then the best work is he goes to Michigan finishes with a national title can't do much
3: better than that no well, we're, we're finding he actually has a great knack for knowing when to move along, too. Yes, I mean, how, <laughs> how many guys, you know, a lot of times, co- coaches kind of, there's, uh, there's this curve. And, you know, depending on how good of a coach you are is how high the curve goes. But for most guys, it kind of, oh, everything's going great. Why would I want to leave? And yeah. then ultimately things maybe get stale or you have a couple down years and then you, it falls off and it, you leave because there's kind of, tension or animosity and and stuff like that. He has sort of been like, well, built this one, moving on to the next thing. <laughs> Even I mean with the Niners, 8 and 8, that was disappointing
2: for the expectations sure. he had
3: built. But dude, in well, the NFL Sure.
2: like Eight and eight is still respectable. And at that point in time in 2014, there was a lot of internal strife going on with the 49ers as he was clashing heads with management left and right. And look, the 49ers came out okay a couple years later by hiring Kyle Shanahan, who's on the cusp of maybe taking them to another Super Bowl appearance. But they had to go through, you know, uh, Tom Sula. They had to go through Chip Kelly. They struggled for a couple years after letting... Jim Harbaugh walk away and go take the Michigan job. So I imagine, and look, Dean Spanos and the Spanos family are known to be a little bit of meddlers out there in L.A., but I imagine if Harbaugh's taking this job, there's some kind of clear sit-down like, hey, I'm a great football coach. You leave me alone, let me do what I'm going to do, and we'll win football games. So I imagine he probably had that kind of say with like, hey, leave me alone just let me do my job.
3: Let me ask you a somewhat silly question, but did did Michigan... Really want to keep Harbaugh? Well, they said
4: that was the thing. So I was going to, when you said the part about him kind of clashing with San Fran, it seems like there's been a little bit of that at like everywhere. Sure. You know, and so there was always this, well, I we're working on a contract, him and Ward Manual, the AD, I were working on a contract. And I think, didn't Ward Manuel say after he left for LA for this NFL job, we were we were working on a deal that would have made him the
3: highest paid coach in college football so so that that leaked by i i believe the Wolverine or somebody else yeah. that he had an offer on the on the table for that but listen to this Detroit News reports quote Harbaugh's attorneys who have been trying to work with Michigan to keep him in Ann Arbor however said it took until the proverbial 11th hour mm-hmm. on Mich- on Wednesday for Michigan to give in on certain contract language By then, it was too late. After months of Michigan rejecting the contract terms that were proposed late 2023, a Mm -hmm. source tells Detroit News Michigan finally agreed to the proposal on Wednesday afternoon when he was already in final
2: stage of negotiations with the Chargers. Well, remember, he requested immunity from whatever potential sanctions could be coming down the line from the NCAA in turn with potentially being the highest-paid coach in college football with Nick Saban now being retired. and um, Again, this contract's been on the table since, like, November. And they've been working through these different kind of deals, the negotiations and all that kind of stuff. And um, even at the na- national championship game, there was that conversation of it's sitting there, he's waiting to sign it, and you kind of got the indication then like, okay, maybe it's time that he decides to bolt and go the- back to the NFL.
3: Well, according to this, Michigan was not willing to agree to that part of it. Yeah. And so then either they they didn't, they thought they had more leverage than they did. Sure. Which I actually can't see it being that. They had to know he was serious oh. about the NFL because he's flirted with the NFL for well, three years his, now,
2: he's used that as leverage to get other contracts in years past.
3: So, or did they say, "Oh, yeah, we'll we'll do whatever you want," knowing he was already leaving to save face and to tell their fans we did everything we could to keep him. That, that's kind of what I lean toward. Yeah, I think they wanted to have it both ways.
2: Yeah, hey, hey, we we tried. We guys, we tried. We tried. <laughs> we yeah. tried. Maybe so. We'll we'll continue this conversation about Harbaugh as the uh, Gamecock Central takeover hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on here on the game. 107.5, the game in Columbia. 100.5, the game in Florence. 100.3, the game in Myrtle Beach. The 107.5, the game app. And on the Game TV, just search the Game TV on YouTube and you can watch us all day long sponsored by our friends at Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. I remind you once again, keep a light right here on the game all days. we'll have another keyword for you for the Vegas Big Game Giveaway coming up a little bit later for your chance to win a full weekend experience at the Fontainebleau Las Vegas for the big game coming up here in just a couple weeks. So again, keep on listening for your next chance for the keyword to win the Vegas Big Game Giveaway. I want to continue our conversation about Jim Harbaugh, who now is departing uh, the University of Michigan to head to the NFL, take over the Los Angeles Chargers head coaching job after Brandon Staley was fired in the midst of this past season. Do you guys know who the last head coach in college football was that left after winning a national championship? Ooh. Got to go back a little ways on this now. Like Jimmy Johnson? No. Like 40 years? Not Not that far back.
3: I was kind of proud of that guess. That honestly.
2: was a good guess. Uh, you're not far off. I'll say that much. I feel like this is going to make me look dumb.
4: But I, I was Because I was like, when did Pete Carroll leave? So, so Carroll can't...
2: left, I think, two years after, two years last after the last national championship. championship. Okay. So this
3: was directly after? This was
2: like, wins the national championship. That was his last coaching gig. It ended up being ever. Um, walked off into the sunset.
4: Oh, so he didn't go to another
2: job. He did not just coach anywhere else after that. That was his final game as a coach. As a college coach. As a college coach. What a way to go out. He had been at this place for a while. Spurrier. Not Spurrier.
3: <laughs> it should have. There are a couple that should have retired.
2: <laughs> now, Spurrier, days. I was thinking
3: uh, Gene Chizik and Larry Coker should have <laughs> just yeah. Just rolled on off. Well, this is as good they as it's gonna get their welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it, out it, while was, we can. it was. Um see I was thinking NFL like you meant they went straight on to the NFL. No.
4: I can't I can't come up with anybody. There's not that many schools that have won a national title
3: That's very overall. Says so their la- there's their last gig it was gig. their
2: it was their last gig as a coach. I really want to get this, but I can't. Tom Osborne mm. at Nebraska. Mm. I
4: even
2: 1997, I, I, and they would have beaten. Did they beat Florida in that game? That was the '97 Orange Bowl. Let's see. That was Tennessee, actually. Tennessee. Okay.
4: Because Spurrier and Florida won it the year before, '96. Yes, they won
3: it. Did Did Frank Solich win a national title or no? I believe so. I actually was I, thinking Nebraska, but the coach, I, the only coach I could pull was I Frank, think, and he's like,
2: I, I think he might have actually coaching. been another yeah. one on the list that may have actually Frank Solich went to Ohio, right? Yeah, Eventually, yeah, yeah.
3: But when Tyler said he never coached again, that eliminated him.
2: Uh, no, it does not appear that Frank Solich won a national championship. All that runs together because he he's, he took over after Osborne, but that was the end of the dominant run of. Nebraska football you, point, you did son. make a good point, though, earlier, Wes,
4: when you said that Harbaugh has a knack for getting out.
3: He just, he just knows.
4: I mean, because you do see, I mean, for almost every coach, it inevitably goes bad.
2: Sure. I mean, you can be well, great for a long time until what, you're not. What's the Batman quote? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Yep. There you go. That's right. I mean, it's, it's
4: spot on. And it happened, I mean, Steve Spurrier. Yep. Yep. He won it. He won Duke when he left Duke things were great. Left Florida, things were great. South Carolina, things were great. And then the last couple of
3: years, not so great. But but even the second to last, like how yeah. how different so, is the reaction?
2: What, Tyler? I was going to, that's a good question. If Spurrier leaves after like 2012 or 2013, what is the perception around him? Well, here? even
3: if he leaves after 2014,
2: yeah, they were what, seven and
3: five?
4: Yeah, because they they beat Miami in the uh, in the in the bowl game that year.
3: Seven and six, seven and six, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But that that still that would have been like, oh, you know, took a step back. But yeah, good good time good, good go. send off. Now now if he
4: would have left after thirteen, Tyler, for people would have gone, why would he leave? Yeah, plenty left. Right. They just had a great. They just they just went thirty three and six. They they made the SEC title game in twenty ten, and then in 11, 12, and thirteen, they went thirty three and six. Why is he walking away?
2: You know. We've been like the Barry Sanders, like what you've got. Yeah.
4: You're on top of your game.
2: Well, then we'd be talking about, oh, if he would have stayed for five, six more years, they would have accomplished this, this exactly. And that. So right. there, there would have been this air of like he could have done more, which in a way is better than well, when he walked away when he did in 2015. Yeah, in, it would, in, it just, in, in the nature that he did, it would
4: have been painful though to think back if that would have happened, and it depends on what like who would they have hired sure. in 2013. I don't know. Nobody knows, but. You know, people would look back and go, "Man, if he wouldn't have left, we we would have won. We were on the verge,
3: but there would have been, I think, quite a bit less just vitriol. Vitriol,
4: yeah. They would have gone. I don't understand why he walked away, but hey, he was getting a little older. He was tired, whatever. Lots of vitriol when he left. It softened some. I think we found out it softened.
2: Well, a little um, bit when it was announced that he was going to be a part of the group recognized for the what Jacksonville State game." Remember the reaction that we got from oh, yeah. folks when we asked, should it be booed or should it be cheered? People were very, it, it was heavily, we, we, it, we didn't, it didn't say towards should cheer. he be booed. We said, <laughs> no, no. will he be? Will he? Yes. It, it leaned towards cheers, yeah. but there were some people in there that still are, you know, hold hostile feelings against him.
3: No, according to the comments I got, we should not even ask that question. It's not even a thought. It would never happen. No one's mad. That's what some people are saying online. Okay. We we got the evidence. It, it, it just it, – I think the the perfect time would have been after the bowl win over Miami because things would have dipped off enough that year that everybody would have said, oh, we're not an 11-win program right now. Yeah. Time for somebody new to come in, but you wouldn't have had just the bottoming out, the retiring in the middle of the season, people being, mad. oh, he quit, and, you know, he stopped in the middle of the year, like – it, but it, it's it's hard. How many coaches? How many coaches get that right? I mean, look, look at Ray Tanner. I mean, he he left from a coaching standpoint. Went went out for the most part on top, yeah. and but but people are saying, "Well, wait, why is he? Why is he leaving now? He was just ready."
4: And he was on top of his game. I mean, that was exact, That that was the equivalent of Spurrier walking away after 2012, 2013. Except Tanner's was even more extreme. Right. He just won two national titles and played for a third and narrowly lost.
3: So it's hard to thread the needle between too early or too late. And, but now, now, Harbaugh, I will say, has always sort of, part of this is that he's just always sort of had one foot out the door, it seems like, for a guy <laughs> yeah. who miraculously is very successful. He is always it, looking for the next it, rung of the ladder. He is, he is.
2: nobody has ever been able to successfully tie him down in one place. He's continually like floating and drifting off in one direction. You got to reel him back in. All right, got another contract. Be here for another two years or so. Oh, he's talking to the NFL again. Let's reel him back in. Like, just yeah. it keeps going. Which is why
3: I think uh, it's got to be pretty exhausting if you are the administration. Sure. Like he, he's a different dude. Uh, now he, he is a borderline coaching genius like he he probably doesn't even get the credit he deserves yeah. honestly like well what chris laid out earlier i mean dude that's crazy you've won everywhere
2: sure and you know we, we talk about him so much for his quirks and you know the the weird answers he gives in press conferences and drinking milk with everything and just the odd things about his personality but when it comes down to the x's and o's and coaching football there are truly very few people that are on his level and again when you have that high caliber head coach you can probably put up with some of the antics Mm -hmm. for a while but uh, there is a point where it becomes a little bit too much and again this wasn't certainly Michigan saying hey why don't you go ahead and leave no they wanted him to stick around for several more years and hopefully bring them more national championships but you know I I think the program will will be okay with likely Sharon Moore moving forward yeah I I I tend to subscribe to the theory that
3: they did they didn't push him out by any means you just want a national title but I I think they were okay because now they also have some deniability there where when the NCAA tries to come down, your lawyers can say, well, look, the guy sure, the guy who was in charge during all this has already left. Why are right. you going to punish the people who aren't here anymore?
2: And now three of the four teams in the college football playoff will not have their same head coaches coming up this fall, Steve Sarkeesian being the only one. It's crazy. Very crazy. Um, you know what
3: else is crazy? What's that? Top 10 matchup. Women's basketball
2: mm, tonight. That's right. Mm-hmm, Guy mm-hmm. Chris Welbaum about to join us up next to preview that matchup coming up tonight between the women on the road at LSU. That's coming up next here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. On the game in Columbia, Florence, Mortal Beach, the 107.5 The Game app, streamed live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass.
0: Hey, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be comfortable. You know, that. You know that. That's number one.
2: Comfort. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV. Sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. That was. Coach Staley yesterday, when asked if she had any wardrobe that was going to outshine Kim Mulkey tonight, and she uh, denied that. Uh, as you know, Kim Mulkey is truly one of a kind when it comes to the way that she dresses. But we know Don Staley and company can be locked and loaded for that matchup tonight in Baton Rouge, eight o'clock, right here on the game pregame coverage starting at seven thirty. Now, bring in our guy Chris Wellbaum from Gamecock Central to preview this matchup. <clears throat> Chris, I talked about this a little bit earlier. You always wonder when it comes to motivating factors for a team like South Carolina that has accomplished so much in Don Staley's tenure here that you look at the fact that you destroyed this LSU team in the matchup here a season ago and then LSU never had to see South Carolina again en route to their national championship. That's got to be fueling, among other things, this team going into tonight's matchup to go down there to Baton Rouge to pick up this victory.
5: Yeah, I don't know how much the the not getting to meet LSU in the Final Four is a factor. As much as just the fact that LSU won the national championship, you know they got the thing that South Carolina didn't. You know, I I think I described it earlier. South Carolina won the battle in the regular season, but LSU won the war, so they get bragging rights.
3: Chris, um, obviously, there is a lot of hype around this game and top ten, and atmosphere, and Mulkey versus Don Staley, et cetera, et cetera. But on the actual court where they're going to play the game. What do you think are kind of the things to watch? What are some factors in this matchup that are going to determine who wins or loses?
5: I think the fascinating thing about this game is if you look at it from either side, you look at the opponent and you say, man, how do we stop them? Because they don't match up well together. So I think it's, it's whoever's able to mask their deficiencies better. Because if you're, if you're LSU, how do you deal with South Carolina's size and depth in the front court? because as good as Angel Reese and Anissa Morrow are, they're, they're somewhat undersized, especially when they play together. And then the, the flip side of that is uh, if you're South Carolina, how do you guard Reese and Morrow? They're two dynamic players who put up big numbers, and, and South Carolina has the personnel to maybe match up with one, but can you match up with both? So it's, it's going to come down to who who can mask that deficiency and without um, without giving up too much.
4: Chris, one of the things that I read in uh, the five things to watch piece that you post on Gamecock Central, I believe this morning, was you kind of drew a parallel in a way between LSU's team this year and South Carolina's team last season, right? In that, um, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. Reese and Moro were great, inside but you look at lsu one of their two losses this year to auburn they were what oh of two from three oh, and so yeah. they, they kind of struggle sometimes shooting the basketball right yeah and it's uh
5: yeah it's going o for two from three is alarming like that that just you don't see that at all it's one thing to you know put up an 0 for, but to only attempt two it means you're not even trying to punish the other team for, for sagging into the paint. So, and I think that's the, that's the one area that I think South Carolina has a decided advantage because,
1: as I mentioned,
5: Ellis, Reese and Morrow are going to need help inside. But if, if you double off of any of those shooters for South Carolina, they're going to make you pay. It's not last year. So, I don't know how Kim Mulkey is going to try to play it. We'll find out whether she try, tries to go one on one with Cardoso and just hope that she doesn't get hot or whether she takes her chances with Pow Pow and, and uh, Bree Hall and, and Tessa Johnson uh, shooting from the outside.
2: Talking to our guy, Chris Wellwell. I'm from Gamecock Central, previewing tonight's matchup between South Carolina and number nine LSU. LSU comes into this game with two losses already on the season to Colorado and Auburn. And in both those games, turnovers were a big issue for them in those two losses. And again, we talk about South Carolina's defense being, again, one of the best in the country. Forcing those turnovers once again tonight It's going to be a big key for picking up this victory.
5: Yeah. uh, LSU has Haley Van List, which Gamecocks fans probably remember from when she was at Louisville and they played her in the Final Four. But she had never... She'd been listed as a point guard, but she'd never really been a primary ball handler until this year, and and her her as a point guard still a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, she's still kind of figuring things out, and in in that loss to Auburn, the offense looked very clunky, very stagnant, and and very dependent on one on one play. So that's the that's the thing that uh, that LSU had, uh, you know, aside from the. De- defense offensively that's the thing LSU is concerned about is is they just don't get those easy baskets the way they used to
3: Chris uh listener don't stay talk this week um do, do you is there anything extra for this game on the South Carolina end that they would ever admit or or, or even is is there in reality like th- this team has been so good and has accomplished so much they are kind of the hunted at this point um even with all the extra attention, can they treat this? I mean, is this truly just another game for South Carolina, or do you think there is a little extra, uh, you know, whatever words you want to use, a little extra energy for for this matchup?
5: Well, I'll spin the question around a little bit, and I'll say, I, I think there's more at stake for LSU mm-hmm. because LSU already has two losses. They need to – they're the one that needs to – themselves at home um, if they if LSU loses they're pretty much eliminated from the SEC race and, and South Carolina would pretty you know South Carolina would have to really collapse with a two-game lead over LSU so I think there's more at stake for LSU and and whether that makes the Tigers come out uh, you know more focused or makes them come out tight only you know only time will tell from, from South Carolina's side it's it's kind of like we've been there, you know, sure. We talked about it. sure. LSU won the national championship, but they didn't beat South Carolina. So, you know, it's, it's not, I, I, I don't know that that they, there's that much extra compared to say Maryland or Notre Dame or Utah, mm. um, even, even North Carolina. Dude, it's, sure, it's a big game, and they're going to be up for it. But when you're at South Carolina, you you play two or three of these games every year.
4: Chris, you mentioned deficiencies for both teams earlier. And, and, you know, the team that wins is going to be able to mask those. But to Wes's point, this South Carolina team has been so good. Um, They're the team coming in that doesn't have any losses. And even when Don Staley's been upset with this team, they've still, you know, just completely run over the other team, basically, even when they don't play well. Now, obviously, this one, I think we all think this will probably be closer. But what what would South Carolina's weaknesses be? I feel like we can pick out a few more on the LSU side, the shooting, Haley Van Litt at point guard. Yeah, there's been some issues sometimes with this Gamecocks team, but what would those deficiencies that they need to do a good job of masking actually be?
5: Uh, free throw shooting. <laughs> uh, the good news for South Carolina is it's, it's hard to really – you know if you're LSU you can't say all right we're going to make them miss free throws because that means you have to foul and when you want to go six deep you can't afford to foul so uh the the question that i have and i think everybody has is what will south carolina do when they're finally challenged you know we they're winning every game by 20 30 points so we haven't we've only seen them in a tight game a couple of times and and when i was writing that preview i was thinking like uh eh. I don't know what they'll do, who will they turn to. And then I kind of kind of thought about it. I was like, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit for the fact that they're winning every game by 20 points.
2: All right, Chris, appreciate your insight as always. Excited to see what happens tonight. Again, uh, LSU uh, taking on South Carolina tonight, 8 o'clock right here uh, on the game. And hopefully we're talking about a still undefeated team uh, come tomorrow. All right, thank you. All right, Chris Wellbaum from Gamecock Central. Come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. 10.5 the game in Florence, 100.3 the game in Myrtle Beach, of course, 107.5 the game here in Columbia. The 107.5 the game map and streaming as always on the Game TV, sponsored by our friends at Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head. West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you for a few more minutes here. Minor once again, coming up tonight, 7.30. It's the women's basketball team in action, taking on LSU 7.30's pregame to 8 o'clock tip. And before that, at 6 o'clock, we get Carolina calls with Coach Paris as he'll recap what happened on Tuesday night against Kentucky and look ahead to Saturday uh, afternoon's matchup against Missouri. Got a couple more minutes here. I love putting you guys on the spot, and I'm going to do it once again. So I mentioned a little bit earlier talking about Harbaugh that now three of the four teams that are in the college football playoff are now without their head coaches going into this upcoming season. So you obviously have um, Kalen DeBoer now at Alabama, likely Sharon Moore out at Michigan, and then Jed Fish moving over to Washington, taking over for DeBoer out there. Starkeesian obviously being the only one uh, staying at Texas. Out of those three teams, and really, this is probably a question of debate between Michigan and Alabama, which one of those teams thinks better position to have a better year in 2024? We haven't Mm. seen what's going to leave Michigan yet because some guys aren't going to. Mm -hmm. Well, here's
3: here's what comes to mind for me. Instantly what comes to mind is that Ohio State has um, now eliminated Harbaugh from the conference Mm -hmm. and has landed an outstanding... Transfer portal class on top of a already very talented football team, mm-hmm. but then so my my instant answer was going to be like, I, I feel like Ohio State's just going to take Michigan's spot mm-hmm. at, at the top of that conference, and I, I think Michigan doing what they did forced Ohio State to then elevate even more.
2: Oh yeah, no, without a doubt, three years losing to Michigan, they win a national championship. You got to change something in Columbus.
3: So I, I, by default, was actually going to say Alabama may actually be better in a better spot, but then I would, would argue with myself, well, they have Georgia to deal with in the SEC. True. And now Texas gets added to the SEC as well, a program that just, as we said, played in the mm-hmm. Final Four and basically uh, is the only one of those teams to return. Their coach. Yep. So, Michigan may actually still be in the better position because they're not going to have a complete turnover in how they do things.
2: That we think. Um, Again, you're keeping Sharon Moore and likely keep several members of that staff. And, again, we'll see what kind of guys decide to leave. Uh, Again, the thinking is that if you keep, you know, Sharon Moore to keep the same regime for the most part, that, you know, you'll still have a handful of guys, healthy transfers, obviously, and maybe a couple... Decently named guys here and there. You owe me five cents for that. Yeah, man, it's, a, it's a trademark. Um, you'll have guys that leave, but but the hope is that it's not a mass exodus like you saw at Alabama with, you know, guys that, hey, Saban's not here anymore, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. And the Big Ten does get tougher next year as well, as you're welcoming in. Washington is going to be kind of a rebuild there. Oregon, who is on the cusp of going to the playoffs, we'll see what Southern Cal and UCLA end up being. But that conference also gets tougher for the Michigans That's- and the Ohio States. Yeah,
4: that's a good point. I mean, Southern Cal won seven games last year. They're coming in. That'll be tough. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They'll probably rebound and be better. But, again, they're
2: bringing in so many guys from the portal, you don't know what they're going to be next year. It's
4: hard, yeah. I mean, Washington, I was trying to process of elimination, you know, style your question. I mean, Washington probably gets hit the hardest by defections. Sure. Right? Whether it's transfer or guys leaving. My first, like, what came in my head was Alabama's the answer. And – but I, I think you can make a strong answer, a strong case for Michigan as well. It's between those two in my mind for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I think you're kind of splitting hairs either way. Um, I just think Mi- Michigan. I'm I'm a little bit more familiar with Alabama just from a personnel standpoint. Just to be honest, sure. And so I think I have a little bias there. And so, but but I'd probably go with them if you made me say.
3: Well, what what does Michigan lose just naturally? Maybe there's a guy borderline. Uh, you know, I could be a draft guy. Yeah, but hey, I, I was gonna, I'm gonna come back and play for Coach Harbaugh one more time. But now, new staff won a title. It, it's just, it, it's just time to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas Alabama, if you're if you're sticking around, you sort of have that added little motivation of, hey, we won the SEC. And we made it to the college football playoff, but we got unfinished business. And so you you do have that aspect here as well that I, I think plays into this.
2: Um, we'll see how that plays out again. Harbaugh just going to, to the Chargers yesterday and Sharon Moore can't be named as Michigan's head coach for about another week due to state laws up there, so we'll see what the follow of that is when that does, you know, officially get announced. I wanted to slide this in here before we get out of here. We asked the question earlier when talking about, you know, incoming guys and what their potential NIL opportunities could be from we got a, good a brand standpoint. Nameless Texter weighs in and says Dante Reno's Inferno at Firehouse Subs. Something you could play off of a little bit there. I mean, it's uh, a work around, but I like it. Spicy sub, spicy sub. Uh, that's with spicy Cajun chicken. There you go. There you go. Just rename it or, or local. Give him his yeah. own sandwich. I mean, kind okay. Of, I like the old, the own sandwich. Yeah, thing. that 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 works. We'll Again, talk,
4: we'll talk to Dante, Talk to Larry.
2: Get him get him hooked up there. Um, yeah, I like it. Good submission that's, there, but a lot, lot of potential on this team with with names. So. Uh, We'll get some more of those as time goes along. That'll do it for today's edition of the GameCock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next is the halftime show. Myself and Terry Ford here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach on the 107.5, The game app and streaming as always on The Game TV. Chat on over to youtube.com, search Game TV, and watch us all day long. Thank you to our friends at Shepherd's Glass for being sponsors of The Game TV.